You're listening to The Long Game Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Scaiano. My most favorite coaches always end up being ones who were social workers or therapists at some point in their career. Like, I seriously love the way that they weave in their social and therapeutic work into what do they do now as coaches. You know, having these skills makes for super effective connection and insight. Today, I am joined by Diane Wingert. She became a business strategist, coach, and mentor after a 20-year career as a psychotherapist. Her mission is to help female solopreneurs with big ideas and busy brains get focused, get fired up, and flame retardant. Diane is the creator of the Boss Up Breakthrough and the host of the Driven Woman Entrepreneur Podcast. So we are talking today about bandwidth and brilliance. This is especially timely when it comes to taking stock of the past year and planning for the year ahead. You know, how do you plan with bandwidth in mind? Your bandwidth, it needs to be insulated. You know, how do you stop saying yes to everything? Well, Diane shows up with some super tactful ways to handle the situations that lead to overwhelm and burnout. And I especially love how she mic drop closed out this episode, wrapping it all up neatly and tying it with a pretty bow. You know, that is the talent of therapists. They see the big picture and sum it up so well. So listen in. The long game is bandwidth and brilliance. In a world where everyone is doing, it's easy to get lost in a sea of comparison, secret tricks, and promises of overnight success. The long game? That's my approach to business. You gotta show up, you gotta do the work, and there are no quick fixes for long-term success. It takes creativity, it takes strategy, and it takes listening to the voice inside you. I'm a web designer, digital strategist, and energetic thinker, bringing you real-world business-building experiences, conversations with creators who are out there doing it now, and ideas to spark the energy in your own business. And along the way, we're going to have a little bit of fun as well. So thanks for being here, and let's get to today's episode. Overwhelm. We talk about it here a lot, and as solopreneurs, we think about it a lot, or we try and avoid it a lot. And really, if you get there, it's over. You're past the point of analyzing your bandwidth if you're already there. So today, I am here with Diane Wingert, and we are going to talk bandwidth brilliance. Welcome, Diane. Thank you. Well, you know, what's really fun is that you and I both work with the same type of people, which are really smart, really savvy, experts who have had the audacity to take their brilliance online and build a business around it. But the narrative out there is it's easy, it's fun, it's fast, and anyone can do it. But you and I both know that's not really true. And one of the areas that I, as a former psychotherapist, now business coach and strategist, teach every single one of my clients is we have to get really clear on our actual bandwidth, not our theoretical, not our ideal, but our actual bandwidth and our boundaries so that we can preserve our brilliance and prevent burnout. I know that's a mouthful of bees, but bees, right? we'll unpack it together. And, and listen, I want to just say bandwidth, it is such a cooler word in this whole piece too, and a cooler approach than overwhelm, right? Mm. Even just the two words, bandwidth is a check-in with yourself. 
type of thing. You get to check in. How am I doing? Do I have space for this? Overwhelmed, you're already there. You know, that that is the whole point. If you've reached it, there is no dialing it back at that point. You've got to shut down, like you said, rehabilitate at that point. So I want to talk about what are some of the things that we can keep in mind as we're running our businesses, as we're closing out our years and planning going forward, because, you know, bandwidth comes into play with what we can do now, but also our capacity for planning. Because if we over plan ourselves, then you can end up, if you're not achieving all of these things too, putting yourself in a position where those weren't even realistic plans that you're making, unrealistic expectations that you have for yourself. And that is negatively impacting your emotions that you're feeling and and how you're coming about and working in your business every day. So I really want to talk about bandwidth in terms of the what we do now and what we say yes to, what we have the capacity for, but then also the planning bandwidth because so many of us just load it up. That's the norm. (laughs) I think here's the absolute norm for entrepreneurs is that we have a ton of creativity and a ton of ideas and the ideas just keep coming. And those are our own ideas. Add to that all the cool things that we see other people doing, all the ideas that we riff off. We heard something on a podcast. We saw something in somebody else's community and we're like, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. I've trained my team to shut me down if I do too much of that, because in reality, no one has as much bandwidth as they think they do. No one has as much bandwidth as they think they should. And no one has as much bandwidth as they think everyone else has. So a lot of the overwhelm in my experience is that we hold ourselves to unrealistic standards, unrealistic expectations. And Mm -hmm. every woman I have ever met who owns her own business, and my hand is raised right along with it, (laughs) thinks that other entrepreneurs have their business all sorted out. They know what they're doing. They're doing better than me. Their back end is all dialed in. You know, everybody's business is messy on the back end. And so this notion that, oh, I should be doing this or I should be doing that because you see someone else doing it. Do you know what size of her team is? Do you Mm -hmm. know what her other obligations, commitments, and responsibilities are? Do you know if she has a chronic illness or I mean, you know, we just, we don't know. So we make a lot of assumptions. We set very, very high and unrealistic expectations. And even if you could hit that mark, the ability to sustain it through illness, through the holidays, through, I don't know about you, but every woman I know, our energy ebbs and flows. And in my experience, mood, energy, and motivation all track together. So if there's something that's depleted your energy, like an illness or anxiety or a loss or worry or whatever, your motivation and your ability to execute on things is going to go with it. So we just keep thinking, I should be doing this, I need to be doing this, or I have been doing this, so I'm therefore obligated to continue doing this you are definitely on the path to burnout. It's just a matter of how long it takes to get there. So what I do, and here's something I actually am doing right now, 
in the month of November, every November, so that I can start the next year already in momentum and already with space in Mm -hmm. my business and in my mind, even though I've just gone through the holidays, I do an audit. So Mm -hmm. I literally make a list of all of the software programs that I am subscribed to that I just keep paying for every month. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This is going to get good. I make a list of all of the memberships that I'm a part of. I make a list of all the Facebook groups I've joined. I literally make a list of all of the things that are either a time or money or both energy time, money, energy, commitments, and obligations. Now, most people, once they have started doing something, they kind of feel obligated to continue and they rarely revisit and ask themselves, is this still important? Is it still necessary? Is it still beneficial? Is it still serving me? Because what I've learned is that even if you, let's just say you remain a member of a bunch of different communities, you know, memberships, group coaching programs, masterminds, Facebook groups, like the whole shebang. Let's just say you actually maintain your membership, but you don't participate. You don't show up. You are not contributing. Even then, it's an energetic drain Mm -hmm. because of the thought that I should be. I wonder if they've noticed they're going to think I'm a slacker, a flake, a lurker, a loser. you think you should be doing too, like bing, 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 bing. All of the activities that are happening in there, I should be a part of. I didn't get a chance to X, Y, and Z. Recently, I did an episode where I talked all about divine timing. And that kind of comes back into this as well, where it's really like bandwidth is also about understanding your timing and not just your physical timing, but the timing of your life. And when you talk about like, oh, I see that I don't know the resources that other person has, Mm -hmm. that is also about timing because you may be comparing yourself to an empty nester and you have young children. Mm -hmm. Like it's not an equal play in certain things. So, you know, all of this comes into bandwidth as well on it's your own audit of taking stock of your own life and your own situation so that you can decide what you're going to let back in. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Like I do a deep dive. I do a little bit of a clean sweep. Like I unsubscribe from a bunch of newsletters because I realize they're going to spam anyway because I never open them. So why don't I just do that other person a favor and take myself off the list because I'm actually hurting their open rates. I'm hurting their conversion rates by just hanging on. So it actually... I get a tiny little bit of guilt because if I've been a member of a membership or a group program, I don't want to just disappear. So before I leave those things and I first, let me finish how I talk about the audit. So I, I make these lists, Facebook groups, email subscriptions, podcasts I'm subscribed to, blogs, memberships, courses, all of that. And then I leave it alone for like a day or two because it can be very humbling shocking, maybe even a little guilt provoking when you look at all these things that sounded like a great idea when you raised your hand, but now you're like, oh my God, like you might feel like I'm I'm too impulsive, I'm too, or whatever, or at the very least I'm overcommitted and overextended. So you leave it alone for a little bit. Then when you come back to it, then ask yourself, 
am I participating? Am I contributing? Am I benefiting? Is there an exchange of value? Or is this kind of like, I'm kind of like the equivalent of a hoarder where I have all these things in my life that I'm not actually using, but I don't want to let them go because I think, oh, but I might use them one day or, oh, I loved that program so much. You're not doing anybody any favors to, to keep it around, especially yourself, because all of these things are an energetic drain, even being aware that they exist in your life and you are not involved with them. So the second pass is to go through and ask the questions, am I participating? Am I benefiting? And if not, it's kind of like when you do a clothing or a wardrobe or a closet Mm -hmm. audit. If I haven't worn it in six months, two years, whatever your metric is, it needs to go. And I do it quickly because otherwise you start to debate and negotiate and then you get decision fatigue. So I'm pretty freaking ruthless because you can always go back if you realize that you miss it, you need it, you want it, whatever. So I just... Goodbye, 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 goodbye. Now, if it's a membership and you can't even imagine just like ghosting the leader of the group, even though you haven't shown your face in like nine months, I send a personal email that says, just wanted to let you know, you may have seen that I canceled whatever and here's where I'm at. And I've had a number of people say, I'll definitely miss you, but absolutely applaud what you're doing. I think Mm -hmm. I should probably do this in my business. So once you've actually made those cuts, then take stock of how much money I'm saving, how much time I'm saving, and where could I repurpose that time and that money. But don't make the decision just yet, because right around the time I'm finished with this, it's now heavy-duty holiday time. I'm getting emails, text, phone calls from people, hey, are you guys going to be around? We're thinking of coming to the area blah, 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 blah. And I want to fully participate in the holidays. And I don't want to have to say no to a bunch of things because I'm overcommitted to things in my business that I'm not actually even benefiting from. That eats up your bandwidth in the worst possible way and makes you feel like you're not a very intentional business owner or you're not making good decisions about your time. I think that is such a good point because it is the energy piece, like you said, just having the the awareness of these things around you, but it plays on your emotions, right? Knowing that you're not utilizing something you're paying for to the max. Mm-hmm. Who am I now? Who am I tossing this opportunity or money out the door, so to speak? Like It then comes back to us in other ways that I don't think we necessarily anticipate. We think, oh, I'm just going to go put it over there and not pay attention to it. But, you know, it can come back to us. You know, I've had that same thought about the program and the whatever. And, you know, but sometimes too, I'm able to look at it from a hindsight piece and say, Mm -hmm. all right, I'm not signing up for something with that commitment again, right? That type of commitment doesn't work for me. I can again, needed the experience, but I'm not mad at it. And I did get a lot out of it, right? Like I try and spin it, not even try, but like I put a different spin on it so that I'm not it's a positive reframe. Over not using something that I've paid for, so to speak, right? It's a positive reframe. I mean, I realize that I have been an impulsive person. I have been a person who has a lot of FOMO. I have been a person who, if everybody's joining this thing, then I want to join too. Oh my gosh, you're making me feel better. mm, I can't even tell you 
if my husband knew this, he's in the next room, so I'm going to kind of lower my voice. But (laughs) if he had any idea how much money I have spent on courses that I not only didn't finish, I didn't open, we would have some serious conversation at the dinner table. And what I've come to know, (laughs) what I've come to know is that this is actually the norm. So while you make a very good point of saying, you know, your health, your stage of life, your stage of business, the season of the year, your other commitments, obligations, and responsibilities, how much white space do you need to be a creative person who can bring joy to your business and not just expect your business to do something for you? All of that requires a level of awareness about your actual bandwidth. And most of us really do expect way too much of ourselves. And we don't recognize that we have exceeded our bandwidth until we develop symptoms. Overwhelm Mm -hmm. is a symptom. It's a symptom that you are holding yourself to standards that are at least right now during this season or this time of life or this stage of business or this time of the year, you are exceeding your bandwidth. So what can you do? And one of the things that I always recommend is if you know you're overextended, you know you're overcommitted, and you know you have a habit of doing that, like I do, one of the best ways to really respect your actual bandwidth, not the ideal one that you hold yourself to as a standard and always feel crappy that you don't meet, is not to allow yourself to say yes to things on the spot. Okay. I have Mm -hmm. a a concept that I teach my clients called, I call it the default yes. And here's what I mean. Everybody knows that when someone asks you to do something, asks you to be a guest on their podcast, asks you to speak to their class, asks you to come to their party, asks if you Can they pick your brain? Ask if you'll take a look at something. Whatever the ask is, everybody knows that the preferred answer is yes. You know, the client says, I know I've already reached my limit of revisions on the website, but I just have this one little thing that I I completely forgot about till now. Could you just take a teensy-weensy look? And all of those things, all of those asks, the easiest possible answer is always going to be yes. Why? Because especially the way women are socialized to be people pleasers and to put the needs of others first and to make others happy. And because we want to be liked, we don't want to ruffle feathers. We don't want anyone to be disappointed or angry with us. We say yes so automatically that we do not stop to consider whether it should be a yes, but not now. Mm-hmm. A, mm-hmm. let me think about it, or I wish I could, but no, or that's not going to work for me. Yes, it just comes out of our mouth just like that. And I won't let myself do that anymore because my pattern, and I think this is true of so many women, we say yes because it makes them happy. It's easy. No always feels like you have to justify why it's a no. I have a problem with that. But uh, Totally. Totally. But we say yes. And then later we're like, oh, oh no, I shouldn't have said yes. I don't have, I don't have, right, I don't right, have right. how am I going to? Totally. So now we're giving up our workouts. Now we're giving up our mm-hmm. sleep. Now we're giving up time with our family. Now we're giving up our creative artist date or whatever, because now we have to make it work. So instead of over committing and then later either 
forcing myself to exceed my bandwidth or disappointing the person. I never say no on the spot to anything. I say, hmm. And I've got a few little scripts in case I feel like, oh no, I don't know what to say. So I have my script so I don't have to think. It's like, that sounds like an interesting opportunity. Pause. Let the fact that they're getting a no sink in and then say, I need to check with my calendar. I need to run this by my assistant. I need a minute in front of my computer or I need so to take, take a look at yeah. everything else going on because I don't want to say yes now and disappoint you later. And so it's kind of like, I'm not giving you what you want, but I want you to understand that if I give you a yes later, it will be a yes you can take to the bank because I'm not going to cancel or renege or ghost you or whatever. And it's rare that people have a problem with it because it's actually showing consideration. And I've worked that script over time. I wasn't very gracious in the oh, beginning. I was like, I can't do that. Why are you asking me? Right. right. Oh, no, no, no. Now I'm like, no, oh, never so I think hit for the me, pause button. I end up being so excited by things. I am like, oh my God, that sounds like so much fun. I'm so in. And then the reality of yep. like, I'm excited. I want to go to the party. I want to go out yes. to dinner. I want to do those things. Yep. But the reality of all the other stuff I have, picking my kids up, going to a game, doing this, have to do that. Deadlines. Like, then that sets in. So yes. I'm like, ah, I had to figure it out, right? Yeah. And that's actually, a tough one for me in bandwidth. Yes. You know what? In it's, my head, I wanted party. You know, <laughs> it's a really good point because the example that I was giving Sandra was saying yes because you kind of feel obligated. Right, right. But you're talking about saying yes because it sounds exciting on the on the spot. And I'm just as guilty of that. So even when it sounds totally exciting, I'm almost a thousand percent sure I have the room for it. I will still hit the pause button because I don't ever want to have to cancel or no show or come up with a lame excuse again. I've done that too many times in my life. Yeah. It never felt good. And I'm an excitable person. So yes, exactly. That happens with me. And yep. you know, now I end up, I try and work on saying yes immediately. It is a good thing to sit down and, and pause just to add that pause. I mean, that's such a healthy thing to do no matter what. I can still say, oh my gosh, that sounds like so much fun. Yes. I would love to come, but I have to check. Yeah. So they, you know, they, they get better at that. I've yeah, gotten but, better. But that's perfect because they see that you are genuinely excited and they're going to have to wait a little bit to make sure that it's going to work for both yeah, of you. For that's the perfect. Yeah, perfect. Totally. And in this whole conversation, I mean, what, you know, we've got to set up some boundaries along the way, right? Like, you know, Bandwidth without boundaries. Burnout. 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 So yeah. let's talk a little bit. I mean, we just said one of the boundaries could be a pause and not answering right away. You know, there are these pieces that we need. Boundaries, we need them with our family. We need them in our business. We need them across the board. So mm -hmm. one of the ways that I think it's, to me, it's become a no-brainer, but I realize that a lot of people don't think of it this way, especially when you're getting started. For a lot of people, when they're getting started, they're like, I just need clients. 
I just need someone that's willing to pay me. I just need some money coming in this business because a lot of money's going out. So they make themselves too available. Meaning someone says, well, can I book a time with you? And they hand over their Calendly link or their Acuity link or whatever. And literally every hour of every day is available to be chosen. I tell people, even if you have zero clients, no money coming in, I want you to restrict your availability on your booking calendar because the time will come where you're going to have more than enough work and you will have created a habit for yourself of putting their needs, wishes, wants, preferences, and priorities ahead of your own Mm -hmm. so that if you decide later, I need to restrict my access because I'm getting overwhelmed and burning out. It's going to feel bad to you. So I would much rather have you restrict access to you in the beginning, or even if you are pivoting and you're not totally booked yet, or you're changing your business model, really do it intentionally. Not You're not trying to create a game. I've, I've had people say, oh, you should do that to make it look like you're more busy than you are so people will want you. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking no, about is- No, not at all. Not at all. Right. For example, if you are on the West Coast like I am, and you make yourself available to people on the East Coast like you are, if it's going to be a hardship for you, for your energy, for your mood, for you know your health to- book an appointment with that person at 9 a.m. their time, which is convenient for them, but it's 6 a.m. your time. And that doesn't work for you physically, emotionally, mentally, or with your family schedule. Block that time. When I first started in my previous business, my schedule was all over the place. It was like I was such an eager beaver. It was like, well, what would be a good time for you? And then that there'd be like really early, really late, big gaps in between. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So part of respecting yeah, your bandwidth- and you're running around. You're like, I've got something at 7 a.m. I've got something at 6.30 p.m. Rather than it's not getting efficient. into a groove of things as well. And also what's super funny about, I mean, funny, like ironic, not funny, haha, is that so many of us start our business because we don't want to have a boss. But when you run your business like that, you got like however many bosses you have as a client, you're literally step and fetch it running all over the place for them. So if you need to stop working at 3 p.m. because you have kids at home, then that's what you do. And there will be difficult conversations at times. I have had a number of these where someone says, I'd love to work with you. And this is when I'm available. And it is during that middle of the day time when my energy dips and I take a siesta and I have to say, I won't be able to work with you then. If that's really honestly the only time you can do it, can I refer you to someone else who may be able to accommodate that need? And nobody wants to turn away business, especially when it's like an ideal client, but there will be other clients. hundred percent. That's a boundary you have to be willing to set to protect your health and your ability to stay in business for the long game. I feel like those are non-negotiables that we have to stand up for ourselves. That's what I call them. Place. I'm big on time blocking. I block out whole days, mornings, and you can have multiple calendars. That is the other piece. Like start to use your technology in different ways. 
You don't have to have one calendar that you send out to people. Mm -hmm. You can have multiple calendars that have different times available. So you can create a client calendar. These are the times I'm doing client calls, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Those are the only days open for booking. On the other calendar, there's no Tuesdays and Thursdays available because, you know, so you can make these multiple calendars and send out different links or have different pieces. That is all the joy of understanding the technology and the software that you're using to be able to like get creative to serve yourself and to help you with your planning along the way. And it protects your brilliance too, Sandra, because here's the thing. I help people discover their zone of genius. I help people discover from their experts, legitimate experts, they have a body of work. But if you want to be known for something, you, in my experience, kind of need to narrow it down and decide what is the thing that I want to talk about for the next three to five years and I want to be known for. I want to mm -hmm. be the go-to gal. And in order to protect your brilliance. So every time you show up and teach a masterclass, every time you show up and teach to someone else's community, every time you do a podcast interview like this one, you are able to be at your best. How many, talk about bandwidth again, how many of those interviews can you do on a given day or a given week and still be brilliant? Mm -hmm. How many clients can you serve in a given day or a given week? And at what time of day and still yeah. deliver your brilliance? Because if you're not showing up in a way that allows you to be at your best for everything you choose to do, you're never going to have the business that is going to be standout, sought after, where people will literally wait for you because you're that good. So it's not a matter of being stingy. It's not a matter of being snobby. No, it's like, not at all. this is my awesome sauce and I protect it because it's my livelihood. It's my magic. It's what I love most about myself. Mm -hmm. It's a bankable asset. And if I chop my time up and my energy up and I just give it away, like it doesn't matter, that is going to be the first thing to go. And my creativity will be right behind it. Brilliant. I'd like to parlay into bandwidth in planning. You know, we talked about this a little bit in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Over planning, you know, now for the year, when you're sitting down, you've done your audit now mm -hmm. and you've cleared things out, but it's also a big time to, what do, to project. What do I want to get done? What do I want to do? And, you know, I love that brainstorm session and come up with all the ideas and really what's your vision, answering the question to that, and then starting to work in steps towards that. But planning can be overwhelmed as well and yes. burnout. You could lead to burnout through over planning. Mm -hmm. Can we address that a little bit in the, in the bandwidth conversation? Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, like everything else, it depends. Right. Like everything else, like everything else, it depends. So there is no cookie cutter solution. And when it comes to planning, I've had clients who literally break out in hives. If I say, let's talk about the coming year, like let's map out your programs, your products, your promotions, your yeah. launches for the next year. But most people do extremely well with 90-day sprints. Now, 90-day sprints give you enough 
road ahead that you can anticipate, you can strategize, you can be really intentional, you can be timely, but it's not so much that people feel really constrained because you and I both know when you work with creative people, sometimes they feel very constrained when things are too routine, too rigid, too orderly, too out there. So it's like, okay, can we talk about what's going to happen for the next 90 days? So that's what I tend to favor. Although I will say there's always exceptions. One woman that I'm working with, her life literally changed when I ordered and sent her a year at a glance wall calendar. Because the way her brain is, like many of us, she's literally making up her life and her business as she goes. So it's sort of like this timeline that just kind of spools out ahead of her. And so she's running ahead and then it's like, okay, I've run out of road. So now I need to create more road. But that's never going to get you out of overwhelm. It's never going to get you into batching your time, blocking your time, creating Mm -hmm. white space. So I said, I'll tell you what, I know you're not going to like this, but I'm sending this thing to you. Just hang it up on your wall and just just get familiar with it being in your space. And then I'm going to tell you how we're going to use it. The first thing we blocked out was vacations, trips, conferences, all of those things. So it's like, okay, those are a priority position on your calendar. Now, Jewish holidays, other like family reunions, all, okay, those are going in there next. So now you actually see how much time you actually have to plan the business with. And we made some changes instead of doing a 12-week group coaching, it became a six-week because she realized she could strategically fit those six-week sprints in without overlapping any of the other commitments. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, wow. Wow, this is, it created freedom because she literally was not making things up on the fly. Other people would say, a year, no, there's no way. Right, right. I don't think you can be very effective planning out less than a month ahead. And I strongly advocate for three months. I'm into that three to six month realm Mm -hmm. in terms of planning. I mean, I think when we put so much on our to-do list, and this is something that I I find I do, I do the big wish list to-do list type of Mm -hmm. thing, that it's like everything I could possibly think of is on there. But then I've got to choose. I've got to choose from that list what I actually have the bandwidth to do and where mm-hmm. does that fit in? And those things get scheduled in. Yes. You know, and that's also how I run things with my clients. Like we know things need to get done, but we're going to realistically look at our resources, our time, you know, as much as I work with my clients or I do things, I still need their brain, right? Like they still have to have time to contribute to the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. So and implement you know, and implement too. Right? Because people love the brainstorming. Oh yeah. But then it's like, wow, that was so satisfying. And it's like, yeah, but now now we have to plug it into the calendar and start implementing right. and testing those ideas. A 90-day sprint gives you time. But another thing when it comes to planning is, and I think especially this time of the year, end of year, a lot of people have this idea, oh, you know, nobody buys in Q4. Nobody's signing up for coaching programs. Nobody's buying consulting. Nobody's signing up for big packages. I'm just going to ride out the rest of the year and just, you know, enjoy the family time. That's great if you planned it 
Right. Because if you didn't plan it, if you just say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to create new offers. I'm not going to do outreach. I'm not going to promote anything. I'm not going to network because nobody's going to anyway. What's going to happen is that all of your consistent habits, the ones that keep your business rolling forward without a lot of effort because inertia, a body at rest remains at rest a body in motion remains in motion. So if we slow everything down and it wasn't planned ahead, like you've got you know, all your stuff that is automated, right? And, and we'll keep on going even though you're skiing somewhere. If you didn't plan it ahead and automate it and systematize it, or you have a team to do it for you, what's going to happen is that everything that you are in the habit of doing is going to slow, 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 stop. And if you think that when January rolls around again, you are oh. automatically, like magic, have the energy, the motivation, and be in that highly forward-thinking mood and immediately start going, think again. Like right. what's going to happen is you're going to be like, oh, now I have to get from zero to 90. Yeah, it's from- the big ramp up. So, which is why I think why why this whole notion of New Year's resolutions ha- has ever been popular because so many people just slow down to nothing and then they literally have to start from nothing. So what I like to say mm. and what I practice is stop thinking of your energy, your effort, all the things that you're creating like an on-off switch. You're either on, so you're like all the way on or you're all the way off. Think of it like a dimmer switch. So I have two of the quarters of the year tends to be spring and fall. I'm dialed all the way up. And then summer and winter, I'm dialed a little bit down, but I never dial all the way down because I don't want to have to start from absolute stop. How would that look? Like what are things you can do less of and still keep moving forward? What are things you can delegate, outsource, minimize so that you're still doing them. You're not disappearing, Mm -hmm. but maybe instead of posting seven days a week or five days a week, you post three days a week so that you can then dial it back up in January. I take less clients in the summer. I'm only working with a couple that I can go through and get through in this amount of time because my hours reduce and it's family time. So and I can do more in the beginning of the year in the spring, right? But come summer, it's, you know, I put that, that's a false start. We'll start again in the fall together if you. Yeah. Uh, but that's by design and by intention. By design. Yes. Because you respect your bandwidth and your other commitments and you do not overextend yourself and then feel exhausted, overwhelmed, resentful, or have and to I disappoint have felt people. Like that. And I have not done this. And it's all also, again, we've talked about the, what's the business you want? Why did we get into this, right? Mm -hmm. Like I got into this to be able to spend time doing what I want. Well, that means doing this in the summer, right? Like it doesn't mean churning and churning and churning. And when you do not respect your boundaries and your bandwidth, and it leads to burnout, it's coming out of a hole. You've got to climb up. Yes. To get out. Yes. And that's that's I, I why you dial down, you, know, you don't stop. It's so much harder. It's definitely it's even more work on the other side of things. You know, I think uh taking time and being thoughtful about your planning and your bandwidth and what do you really want? What are you getting out of your business? What do you want to do 
What do you want to spend your time doing? Who do you want to spend your time with? And that even means how many clients. Is there another way you want to serve people because you want to work with more people, but they can't be one-on-one, right? They can't all be one-on-one. So all of those things, those are questions that you need to ask yourself in the bandwidth conversation, in the planning conversations, so that you wrap it all up in a way that doesn't lead to burnout for you going forward. Yeah. And actually the biggest thing I think that leads to burnout that we can all fix for ourselves. And in fact, we have to fix for ourselves is this notion that my business needs to look like X. Your business doesn't need to look like anybody else's business and all the people out there selling, this is the way to an XX business, or this is what you need to do to have... There are no freaking rules. You can create the business that is uniquely suited to your brilliance, your bandwidth, your lifestyle, your stage of life, what brings you joy, what makes you feel like a freaking rock star. And nobody can convince you that's true if you don't choose to believe it for yourself. Like there's plenty of voices out there. I prefer to tell myself, I practice radical self-acceptance and I am here to have a business based on my brilliance and help other women who want to do that too. It's excellent. We're going to end on that because there is no, <laughs> there That's is a mic nothing drop. else. That's there a mic go. drop. You can find more wisdom from Diane Wingert. Check the show notes. We'll have links to all the places where you can find her and follow her. Sign up to work with her as well. So thank you guys. Have a great week. Thanks for joining me today. You can access more information, links mentioned in this episode and the show notes at thelonggamepodcast.net. If today's show connected with you in some way, please share it with your friends or hop on and leave a review. Both of these make a really big difference. All right, until next time, keep playing the long game.